Alright all you listeners to the madness, welcome back to Under Radar! And now it's time for us to talk about what happened in the second half of this year's 37th annual Royal Rumble from the Tropicana Fields in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Carl and Maestro is asking me why in the world I'm calling it the Tropicana Fields? I don't know why. I think I'm thinking of a Beatles song for some strange reason. But nevertheless, folks, the next match to take place on this said Royal Rumble pay-per-view would see none other than Kevin Owens going one-on-one against Logan Paul for the United States Championship. And this match would kick off with Kevin Owens living up to his prize fighter name and definitely bringing the fight by beating the Daylight's flag tag out of Logan Paul during this match, even hitting him with a big boy senton on the outside of the ring. But Logan Paul would immediately even the odds by going after the hand of Kevin Owens during this set match and would be able to do a crossbody and a standing moonsault combination that he would call a cross moon combo course for near fall then we would see a pump handle neckbreaker by kevin owens followed up by two cannonballs and a bullfrog splash where kevin owens would land on his already broken hand for him not to get the three for that instead of getting a near fall but unfortunately for Kevin Owens, who would try to go upstairs again to the top rope and try to hit a swanton, that would get countered by the knees, but for Logan Paul, would get a counter from his frog splash too. Then we would see Logan Paul come back during this match with a buckshot lariat, or a slingshot lariat as they would call it, and follow things up with a big splash for near fall. Only for Logan Paul to listen to Corey Grace and say, Hey, you think nobody can pull off a suplex to Kevin Owens? Well, watch this. And that initial bit of trying to prove that he's better than others would catch up with him when a fisherman buster off the top rope for near fall. Then we would see Kevin Owens getting hit with the right hand of none other than Logan Paul that would lead to a near fall. Then we would see Jeff coming from out of the crowd to help Logan Paul, but yeah, that wouldn't work. But what would work would see Grayson Waller and Austin Theory helping out Logan Paul to get the brass nuts, only for Kevin Owens to rip it out of his hands, knock out Logan Paul, and then for the referee by the count of three to catch KO red-handed with the brass nuts, magically the referee now can see things for Logan Paul to win this match via disqualification and still your United States Champion. Of course, of course. See, referee was blind in the match before, but magically put on bifocals or some form of contact lenses and able to see him with the brass nuts. And yeah, if you're wondering at home next, Kevin Owens was pissed and decided to beat the daylights out of Logan Paul and would even throw him into the stairs and then powerbomb him right through the announce table and would take a cough drop to grow after that. Yeah, yeah. And the next match to take place at the Royal Rumble would be our main event of the evening, which would be the traditional 30 men over the top rope Royal Rumble match, where in this set contest, the only way to get eliminated is being thrown over the top rope with both feet touching the floor. And the match which starts with number one and number two would see them 
bring out new superstars within 90 seconds or less and the last man standing gets a chance to punch his ticket to go to the biggest dance this year none other than wrestlemania hey that's the best thing i got i can't beat the girl who did the announcements for that because she was awesome she was awesome but the persons who drew number one and two, if persons is such a word, would see none other than Jey Uso in at number one and his brother Jimmy in at number two. Really? And the two brothers who clashed due to a certain tribal chief would do a bit of a dance in the ring, meaning they beat the daylights out of each other, for Grayson Waller to show up at number three and try to have a live Grayson Waller effect, only to get super kicked in the jaw for his efforts by Jey Uso. But then would team up to get Jey Uso for him to say, and this will be the only time this year you'll hear me say, no yeet and I acknowledge you while trying to beat the hell out of Jey Uso during this match. Then the next person to enter in at number four would be El Idolo, better known as Andrade Cien Almas, wearing a cool Aztec mask and a cool gold outfit that I got a feeling OSW Review would be asking, what bar is he? Which I don't know, I would have to say a uh, Crown Royale bar, because he did have the purple and gold. Hey, hey, that's the best I can do for you OSW review fans out there. But nevertheless, we would see him pull off his fake out kickback elbow to Grayson Waller and pull off those double knee moves that he usually does to Jimmy and, of course, Walker as well, too. Or Waller. Why'd I call him Walker? Oh, yeah, because he was walking around after he stumbled on the ground after getting hit with those knees. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Then in at number five, none other than Carmelo Hayes, not only super kicking Jimmy out of his shoes, but then would hit Grayson Waller, who would try to do his rolling stunner move from the outside of the ring back inside with the first 48 and would eliminate him afterwards. Yikes, yikes. Then in at number six, none other than the king of strong style himself, Shinsuke Nakamura. And before I forget, folks, Pat McAfee would be back at ringside for the night and would end up singing the song of Nakamura or more or less dancing while the fans were singing his song. Nice. And then we would see Shinsuke pulling off a sliding knee right directly to the face of Carmelo Hayes. Then in at number seven, none other than Santos Escobar who would not only be able to pull off a calf kick to Shinsuke Nakamura and a nasty tiger knee right directly to the face of Jimmy and running knees to Shinsuke Nakamura and Jimmy as well, but would try to team up with none other than Andrade Cien Almas for Andrade to say, nah, I don't want none of that. And then in at number eight, the Herald of Doomsday himself, none other than Karrion Cross, who would not only take the head off of Carmelo Hayes, making him do a flip out of his shoes, but then would immediately hit Dominic Mysterio with an exploder suplex who would enter in at number nine. But then at number 10, and would technically come back to the WWE 2 at this same building during that same pandemic rumble, Carlito. 
and Carlito would try to go after Santos Escobar, but he would end up running out of the ring. But trust me, he gets his just desserts because Carlito would prove to him that he's not cool and would immediately spit an apple in his face and then send him packing for his Royal Rumble dreams. But Carlito would end up getting in a little bit of trouble because, yeah, he would get hit with the wicked move known as the Final Prayer by Karrion Cross, only for the almighty Bobby Lashley to enter in at number 11 wearing white and purple. Nice, Bobby. I like that outfit. It looks good on you, to quote Bruce Bruce from Comic View. But outside of that nice outfit, he would get mean during this match because he would go on an all-out warpath, not only taking out Shinsuke Nakamura and Jimmy and even Dom with spears, then would even take out Carlito during this said contest and would spear cross during this match as well too. But unfortunately for him, Karrion Cross would have a little bit of backup with the Authors of Pain, who would get, you know, pushed away by the referees, which I don't think that was going to be actually possible, but since it was, you know, women referees, and I don't think the Authors of Pain was going to really toss them around like Cornwood, we would then see Bobby Lashley, who would get distracted, getting tossed outside of the ring, and then for the Street Profits to help out Lashley to fight against the Final Testament, which is the group that Karrion Cross is a part of now, that I really wish I could see more on TV, but, you know, Music Village on at the same time as SmackDown makes that impossible, but let's just say that led to a slugfest in Budapest only for Ludwig Kaiser to make his way to the ring at number 12, just trying to avoid the bodies in the fight that was currently going on around him only for him to hit a running in Sigiri to Kamala Hayes and a kick right directly to the face of Dominic Mysterio. Then in at number 13, none other than Austin Theory, who would hit his rolling drop kick to Ludwig Kaiser and even hit a ripcord slam that I think is known as the Anapoxia. I could be saying it wrong, but nevertheless, hit that on none other than Carmelo Hayes, only for Finn Balor to make his way to the ring, slowly but surely, and would sit there and just watch as Dominic Mysterio was about to get tossed out by Carmelo Hayes, only for Carmelo Hayes to get taken out, and for Austin Theory to get stomped out because he's gotta have it, the quote Biggie. Then in at number 15, looking to complete his story, Cody Rhodes, and probably one of the only competitors to get pyrotechnics during this match, to pull off a Cody Cutter and eliminate Austin Theory during this match, for Bronson Reed to make his way in at number 16. Only for him to pull off two clotheslines and a dual Samoan drop to Finn Balor and Dominic Mysterio. Yikes! It would even take out El Idolo during this match for number 17 to enter in in the form of Kofi Kingston. Now, for those out there wondering, yeah, is he going to do any fancy Royal Rumble saving moves this year? Nope, because during this match, after doing or more or less seeing Cody Rhodes hitting a crossroads to Shinsuke Nakamura taking him out and, you know, making sure he stays in his past. We would then see a nasty kick to the face of Kaiser during this match for him to get eliminated by Kofi Kingston. Then the man Kofi called out for Monday Night Raw this week would see Gunta in at number 18, who would chop Kofi, Dominic, Jay, Jimmy, and Bronson Reed also slamming him too. Yikes! <laughs>
then we would see after that Ivar in at number 19 who would take Finn Balor on a tour of the islands with that nasty power slam for Braun Breaker possibly one of the most scariest spearing human beings I've seen in the ring in a long time entering in at number 20 and what do I mean by that, folks? Well, let's just say he would bring an explosive energy to the Royal Rumble by not only spearing Jimmy Uso out of his shoes, then would take out Ivar with a clothesline. And oh, did I forget to mention he speared Gunter and Ivar with ease? The man's a nutcase. But then would eliminate Jimmy and Finn Balor during this set contest, only for none other than Omos to enter in at number 21 with MVP. And during this set contest, we would see a clothesline to Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso as well, only for Dominic Mysterio to get a choke slam from the big man, only for him to pull off a big boot and toss out Bronson Reed during this set contest. And then we would immediately see a nasty spear and an elimination, unfortunately, for Reed to Ivar during this match, which we almost forgot to mention. After he speared the daylights out of Ivar, he would eliminate him too. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we had to catch up with that one. But then in at number 22 and the fourth announcer to make his way into the said Royal Rumble match, none other than Pat McAfee, who would climb into the ring and then immediately after seeing Bronson, or more or less Braun Breaker, and of course, Omos would say, uh, yeah, I'm gonna get out of here and eliminate myself in under 30 seconds, which Michael Cole would remind him, yes, you eliminate yourself in a time that is less than mine. I still got my record for <laughs> for none other than Pat McAfee to say, shut up, Michael Cole, <laughs> which I don't know why, but it's always funny to hear people say, shut up, Cole, when he's trying to say something. And he would say that Omos is not human, and yeah, he really isn't human, but one person who would prove that he is human would be Braun Breaker, who would take him out with ease only for Dominic to take him out. And then after getting taken out at number 23, JD McDonald, the punching bag of the Judgment Day, would further be a punching bag because Braun Breaker would spear him into next year's Rumble right after he would try to make his way to the ring. Ouch. Ouch. Then in at number 24, and the fans absolutely love this one, none other than R-Truth. And R-Truth, who would end up tossing JD McDonough into the ring to help out his Judgment Day brother, would see him getting tossed out immediately afterwards. JD, that is. Only for R-Truth, who would wait at ringside for the tag in from Dom, only for Dom to tag him in and for him to hit the five moves of doom on Gunter, but unfortunately would not be able to get off the five knuckle shuffle because Gunter would boot him in the face. Then in at number 25, one half of the awesome truth, none other than The Miz. And The Miz during this match would immediately take it to Gunter and would even hit him with a satellite DDT during this match. But when he would try to throw out Dominic Mysterio, R-Truth would save him only for Damian Priest entering at number 26 and remember what happened at the end of Monday Night Raw this past week and would immediately cold clock R-Truth right in the face and take him right out of the Royal Rumble and even hit a south of heaven to Gunta during this match. 
Then in at number 27, the voice of the voiceless and the second city saint himself, CM Punk. Bringing clobbering time to the rumble, not only pulling off his corner knees and bulldog maneuver, but then would clothesline the Miz and Dominic Mysterio and even takes out Dom during this match. But Damian Priest would elbow him right in the jaw. Ouch! Then in at number 28 would see the high-flying Ricochet. For Ricochet to prove how high-flying he is with a springboard crossbody to The Miz and even to Gunta during this set contest. Only for The Miz who was positioned on the top rope to regret his decisions after he would get chopped in the chest by Gunta and for him to get eliminated. And before I forget folks, Kofi Kingston would get eliminated from this match because he would also try to go off the top rope and yeah, he would get kicked out by Gunter. No rumble save this year because yeah, he got knocked out. Then in at number 29, none other than the Scottish Terminator himself, Drew McIntyre. And immediately during this match would go after CM Punk and then would immediately toss Ricochet from one side of the ring to the next or the quote Chisel Adonis from the east to the west, back to the east, back to the west. And my goodness, he did fly halfway across the ring set Carl and the Maestro watching the replay. <laughs> Then in at number 30, back from injury and looking for revenge, none other than Sami Zayn taking it to Drew McIntyre and anybody who was left in the rumble who tried to stop him, punched him in the face and would even hit none other than Drew McIntyre with a halluva kick. Yikes. And also would see Ricochet unfortunately getting tossed out by Drew McIntyre as he would land Pretty bad after Ricochet would have his leg grabbed and get flipped over the ropes and land on the back of his head. Ouch. Ouch. But as we said before, Haluva kick to the face of day of him. Damian Priest would get eliminated, but Drew McIntyre would immediately take out Sami Zayn immediately after that. And as for the rest of the competitors, a Cody Cutter to Gunter, but a clothesline afterwards would follow. And Cody during this said moment would end up doing a modified sleeper hold to get rid of Gunter, a headlock to throw him out of the ring. Yikes. But during this said contest, Drew McIntyre, who was a guy who said, you know what, instead of trying to win the Royal Rumble, let me go ahead and seek revenge and tell people how I'm gonna do it because not only he would hit a glass cow kiss to CM Punk, but would also hit a Claymore to Gunter, to Cody, and even to Punk. And after doing the Claymore to Punk, instead of throwing him out, he would say, oh, after 10 years, after all you did in the locker room to me, I'm your leader now, I'm gonna throw you out. And what would happen? He would get thrown out. Drew McIntyre would get thrown out for showboating and trash talking instead of getting the job done, which made me wonder the same thing that I wondered a while back ago when I was talking to my friend Alex saying, uh, did you really want to win the Royal Rumble or did you just want to talk trash and blame other people for why you lost some Monday Night Raw this week? Cause you know it's coming, you know it's coming. But with all that said, folks, we were down to two. Punk, Cody, Cody. Punk, we would see it set a German suplex by CM Punk, then followed by the Bulldog knee combination. 
a bionic elbow and a flip-flop and fly for the American dream. And then we would see a roundhouse kick to the head by CM Punk to none other than Cody Rhodes, no elimination. Then CM Punk, who would end up trying to call his shot like Babe Ruth saying, hey, I'm waited 10 years for this moment. I'm not gonna get eliminated by Dusty's kid. But let's just say, ah, uh, boy, you shouldn't have said that because the GTS would get blocked. Rhodes would throw him out of the ring and Cody Rhodes would accomplish something that has not been accomplished by no one else besides Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin winning back-to-back -back Royal Rumbles and being the first man to do so in well over 26 years and half the number he did last year. For him to kiss his fingers, throw up the two sweet sign, the gunshot, and the point to the sign to prove that he's once again going rocky with it to finish the story at WrestleMania 40 and would point at Roman Reigns afterwards, making sure that everybody at home knows what story he's looking to finish. And with that said, folks, with Cody Rhodes celebrating with pyrotechnics more than he usually has during his entrance, if that's possibly possible, would close out the Royal Rumble for this year. And for us to say, join us next time, folks, for when we join you in your pay-per-view living rooms, kitchens, dining rooms, or wherever you would watch it, for the Elimination Chamber in four weeks' time on February 26th of 2024. And according to Call and the Maestro, that might be the 24th. And yeah, they're right, the 24th. Yikes. See, we need to get our pay-per-view schedules in order, but either way you look at it, folks, we'll work on that in the future. But until then, folks, I think it's time for us to head back to that music once again as we go grab a glass of water. And when we return, we'll be back with more madness as Under the Radar rolls on right after this. So don't you dare touch that dial away from the madness just yet, folks, and stay tuned.